Hallelujah. We're going to talk a little bit about this theme. Um, I, I don't know if, uh, if you weren't here last week. Um, Todd did the most amazing job on this. And uh, this concept of intimacy, intimacy with God. Let's go ahead and put up the first slide there. Intimacy with God. We're seeing this. We're taking a theme, basically, and we're saying, let's look for this, the concepts of this in the Christmas story. Let's see what we can find. And um, because we had spent that time talking about the last days, one of the pinnacle understandings that I believe when Todd was preaching had to do with the severity of the deception that's growing in the culture. Misinformation, all kinds of ways, disinformation, uh, different ways, and that it is uh, prophesied, basically explained in the Bible that uh, it will get worse and worse and set up for the ultimate deception of an Antichrist-type person. And so we said, well, what's the antidote? What's the solution for this? And I'm just telling you, intimacy with God is such a powerful understanding. If you're close to him and you hear his heart and you know him, you take his word for what it is, you won't be misled. In fact, he knows how to rescue those who are his own. When wrath is being poured out on Sodom and Gomorrah, he knows how to get Lot out of there and take him. And there's this promise to us that no matter what goes on, that the Lord will put a, a, a protection around us. Everybody, and I, and I feel like the Lord, uh, that's, that, that song, I want to be close to you more than ever before. I want to know you, Lord. I want to I be near you. I want to hear you I, more than ever before. Is it your heart? I want to be close to you. I want to be close to you. Would you say it again? I want to be close to you. I want to be close to you more than ever before. I want to know you, Lord. I want to be near you. I want to hear you more than ever before. I want to know you, Lord. And then when that's, that's the, what he does when, when you have that heart, you, you might have things in your life and you start praying that way. And suddenly those things in your life are being touched by God. And you're going, oh, do I want to let go of that? Well, he said, I'm answering your prayer. I'm taking a distraction out. I'm removing something that's been of a painful sort. I'm taking something that's been, had you in your wayward ways. I'm relieving you of a burden. I'm dealing with, uh, you have a faulty concept of who I really am. I'm changing that. I'm healing this past relationship so that you can see me in a whole new way. I'm touching your life to change you so I can answer the prayer you're praying. And he does that. So what is intimacy? I got the definition up here. Uh, the state of being intimate, close familiar, familiarity or association, nearest in friendship. I have, uh, you know, a, a loving personal relationship. Uh, intimacy implies getting to know someone more than on a casual level. God knows us better than we know ourselves. How many of you know God knows your heart better than you know it? Are you aware he knows your weaknesses better than you know them? Are you aware that he knows all your vulnerabilities and struggles more than you or your bad habits or your good habits. He knows your self-image. He knows how you feel about yourself. He, and intimacy, I think one of my way, I didn't make a slide on this, but I think intimacy, everybody says, into me you see. Into me you see. Like intimacy is looking inside. 
And this is the thing about the Lord. Intimacy with God means he wants us to see his heart and to know him. To look inside of his heart and to know him. Intimacy with God has to do with both of you knowing one another. Uh, John 17, 3, there's a, it says, now this is eternal life. Would you, if you can see that. <laughs> now, let's read it. Now this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Now Jesus is praying this in John chapter 17 in the high priestly prayer. And he says, he's talking to the father. He says, this is eternal life that they would know you. This uh, word uh, know is gnosko. It means to learn to know, to come to know, to get a knowledge of, to perceive, to feel, to become known, I have a little missed up there. So Jesus describes eternal life as knowing Father God and Jesus. And Almighty God wants to you to know him and be truly known by him. Uh, intimacy then uh, pushes us past knowing about God into actually personally knowing. You know, you can know about somebody and not know them personally. And that's what the world is full of. And everybody has opinions about who they think God is. And let me just say, all of it, most of it, is way off. Because I thought I knew him, and he reveals, I want to just go ahead and tell you, he loves deeper than you can. He forgives more thoroughly than you and I. His compassion is so far pervasive in your life. And yet he's holy and righteous way beyond any measure without being judgmental. He's just pure holy. He's the kind of thing that draws you to him because of the perfection of who he is. And yet he cares so deeply about you. You can, it's, it's like you know that you're the rottenest that comes and the most loved at the same time. What the heck? How do you do that? This is amazing. But this is who our God is. He cares about us. He wants you and I to know him. And that intimacy is a way where you and I begin to know him and believe. I believe that even hearing these kind of things, the darkness of the devil's lies become expelled under the hearing of the word that God is better than you thought he was and that the adversary is overthrown because the pure love of Jesus for the individual soul that comes through represented, Father God is represented in the very life and personality of Jesus Christ coming, laying down his life. I had this thought recently, I may have shared it already. I've had this wrong thinking, I believe, about, oh, God was so holy, he couldn't look at sin on the cross, that's why he looked away. When Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There's hymns that throw out that idea. And when Jesus said, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken me? He's actually reflecting the, the Father's heart because I believe that the relationship was so important and so key and the love was so, the bond was so great. And this was the sacrificial payment that it wasn't that sin was so ugly that he couldn't look at it, it's that his heart was broken. He's like, oh, because oh, a pure good father would be torn up over that. A good father would be torn up over the sacrifice of his son, even though it's for everybody else. He couldn't do that without feeling the passion of, we're going to get them all back. But boy, this is painful, isn't it? And that moment of separation, I believe it had more, more to do with that kind of thing. And so... This seed, this spiritual seed that goes in our hearts, 
Um, go to the next uh, slide. The mystery of intimate relationship with God. There's this um, passage. Uh, I'm going to read it. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then it throws this in. This is Paul writing. He says, That he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word, that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. And so he's saying, now husbands, I want you to love your lives. Now here's wives like, uh, like Jesus loves the church, the, the, his saved people, how he cleanses them and washes them. There's a high model. How, and, and, but now he's beginning to show that this, the beauty of what he's after, I, you know, this would be a great commercial for some wrinkle-free cream <laughs> for women. <laughs> no spots or wrinkles. <laughs> but anyway, that, that Jesus does this beautifying work inside of people that they can be old, yet they just feel so young. They feel so alive and so vibrant. And uh, then he says, now, in the same way husbands love your wives as... Um, uh, the same way as husbands love their wives as their own bodies, he loves his wife, loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And then it's got this verse, this next slide. It says, this mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to Christ and the church. He's talking, he says, I want to just use this great mystery of who Jesus is with the people of God. And I'm going to say, like, look, apply this to your marriage. But what I'm really talking about is this intimacy, this mystery of intimacy that God wants to have with you. That when he speaks to you, it cleanses you. That it waters your soul, that your, your spirit, that you come alive, that you want to be something that you never could be or have the capacity to be. This is a mystery. And I'm talking about the beauty of a bridegroom coming for his girl and she wants to be all that she can for him. What I'm talking about is the mystery of how God is this way. And he's coming for you. And that's what it's about. And that's intimacy. That's a good thing. Everybody rejoice for just a minute. <laughs> Help out this guy up here. <laughs> so when the Bible says stuff like this next line, this is draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What are we talking about? We're not talking about, now look, I believe in discipline, being a disciple. I believe in um, duty. You know, sometimes when you just roughing it out, you just do what you know to do in the spirit and you stand and you go for it and you do. But after a while, if that's all you got, you kind of just dry up. There's something deeper than that. There's an adoration aspect. There's a, there's a, a love, a, a linking of the heart to the one who loves you more than anybody else. I don't, if that wasn't in God, I wouldn't be doing this. I have no desire to follow someone who's mean I had that. The reason I love the Lord is because he loves me. 
And then he calls me to become something and empowers me to do things I could never do. I don't want to lose that. I want to walk with him. I don't want to do a little bit of it and then run off and do my own thing. I just want to do his thing. I just want to be his and do that. How about you? Now there is this, the intimacy with God begins to cause that to be so rock solid rooted in who you want to be in life. There's an analogy between the physical and the spiritual seed. And Genesis 4.1, it says, Adam knew Eve, though his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So there's the physical seed. And then, and then Luke, uh, we see that um, Mary said to the angel, how will this be? You know, I'm, still, I'm a virgin. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child will be born, will be called holy, the son of God. So we have in the physical realm, we have both just natural um, seed going in, producing life. Now we have the supernatural seed of God going in, producing a supernatural life, or should say a sinless life. And because Jesus empties himself of all the stuff that has to do with being the privileges of God, and he becomes completely human. And then he empties himself of that. Then he takes on the form of a servant. So he's got the attitude. Here's the beautiful thing. The son of God takes on the attitude of a servant. And then the activity of a servant and the assignment of a servant. And his assignment was, I'm going to not only empty myself, I'm going to humble myself. And then he humbles himself to the point of death. And then he's, that's happened. And now Father God raises him up. And now we have the model, the attitude, this whole beautiful model for us that this is the pathway that we live in Christ Jesus to become and it so how many of you found out that um, there's clarifying that goes on because there was there was kind of like a confusion about what the gospel actually is it's really about selling completely out to Jesus it's really about becoming everything that he it gives God pleasure out of your life. And then him taking care of you and you walking with him and his life becoming evident in your life towards those around you. And then the uniqueness of your giftings begin to flourish as you draw close to him he draws close to you. And this, even in Jesus explaining the whole idea of the seed, he says, a sower comes sowing a seed. And then later he explains that that seed is the word of God and as in the soil of the heart. And as you deal with the, his word inside of you, I'm saying this in intimacy because the concept of uh, in, with Adam and Eve and then with, uh, with uh, Mary in the physical realm, now in the spiritual realm, when he sows the word into your heart, it's a life-giving seed that changes you ongoingly more and more into the character of Christ Jesus. You have that first initial moment where the DNA of Jesus comes in via the Holy Spirit, comes in your spirit. You come alive in Christ, and that's there. But then there's the nurture of that, the feeding of that, that's why in that song a minute ago, this wayward heart is making a stand. I want to be close to the Lord. This way, I don't want to be that wayward person. How many of you have had moments where we need to reel this back in? We need to get this back on track. Are you there? 
And that's why we want to, because these days you can't afford it. Hey, the current is faster going the other way now. You can step out in the current before you could just walk around and not be so bad. But now there's an undercurrent and you can go, you, you can lose your bearings pretty quick. The world and all, all that. So, so this intimacy with God is very important. And we're going to just take a moment. Let's look up at the next uh, slide here. I'm going to read a little bit of, uh, by the way, communion is really coming up soon. Okay, let me go ahead. But Luke 2, after Mary has received and then She's gone down and been, been with Elizabeth. That's uh, Luke 1. And now it's time to go to Bethlehem. And then they're in Bethlehem and she's kind of time to get birth, be born, for Jesus to be born. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, gathering their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will, be, uh, you will recognize him by this sign. He, you will find a babe wrapped in snugly, uh, snugly up in strips of cloth lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven... The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And they hurried to the village and found uh, Mary and Joseph. And there was a baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Let's go to the next slide. There's several verses that talk about this. This is a key to intimacy with God. It's the, the verses say, and she treasured up in her heart. She kept. She kept these encounters in her heart. She pondered. They use treasure and pondered. They use uh, kept. They use pondered. They use uh, kept reminding herself of them, thought about them often. Then... Um, Even later, uh, which we saw in the video after Jesus has gone uh, to the temple as a 12-year-old and is basically schooling all these older men, she's, uh, again, it says in verse uh, 51 there, mother, her mother treasured all these things up in her heart. So this concept of uh, treasuring, to preserve a thing from perishing, to keep it within oneself, to keep something in mind, lest it be forgotten, pondering to bring things together in your mind, this is an important aspect of, let's go to the next slide. So this is my question here. What do you treasure? What do you ponder? What do you think about? Do you treasure and highly value your relationship with the Lord? See, things come in our lives. We see Mary preserve these precious memories of what God had done for her, and she revisited them in her mind, conferring with herself, concerning God's purpose for her. So I want to just talk just for a moment about fostering intimacy with God. Fostering intimacy with God. Framing up your impactful stories of what God has done for you and building on them as he reveals his character to you is key 
to not only renewing your mind, but warming your heart. Having moments where you sit before the Lord and think over these precious moments that he's showed up in your life and having that as Mary as a part of your story, that this is a part of who he is to you. I've been doing more of this recently and I've discovered something, that the Lord started things years ago that he's about to increase. But if I forgot those stories, I wouldn't know that he's about to do that. That there are impartational moments where it's not just a, it's like when you, you've heard from glory to glory. There's, there's moments where God says, you know that thing I put in you a long time ago? Okay, buckle up. As a season of release for new things that I'm going to do that I started a long time ago in you. Does anybody get the happies inside? Because none of this is a waste. See, framing up and understanding those, there's private moments that God has spoken to you. Maybe you wrote them in a journal. Maybe there's been, and it's not just regular things in the Word. They're encounters. They're moments. They're affirming things that God has said, this is who you are. This is who you are. And, there, and it could be with another person that showed up in your life and said something prophetically because sometimes he just comes and speaks to you by yourself and you have these things. With Mary, he had spoken to her with an angel and then that happened and then it, she got pregnant and now she's gone down there and now the, she's sitting there and all these, these uh, shepherds run in and say of all the, of the, the encounter with angels and she's writing it all in her heart. She's storing it up. What's your story? What are the supernatural encounters that you've had? What are those things that, that you know that God has anchored himself in your life? And there's something of a value of who you are to him. Don't ever let anything steal that because that is a foundational thing that God will build upon and spring you forth in new things. It's important not to let anything be snatched away. Next slide. Fostering intimacy with God. One of the wisdom tips is to take time to and regularly review God's track record with you. I, was, I just kind of call them those golden moments that should be deeply embedded in your memory and prod you to trust Him more fully in everything. There's something about when you describe the nature of what God is saying to you and you write it down if you have a journal or if you write it down and you meditate on it and you think about it, it doesn't get away from you. It becomes more of a, your partnership and how the Lord and you are together. Is that making sense? That there's things that he wants to do and spill through. I, you know, I'm, putting, I'm saying this stuff and it's like the Lord's starting to drop, uh, drop little prophetic glasses on. Just everybody lift your, lift your hearts before the Lord. I believe the Lord wants to cause you to be stirred with a recognition of these specific moments of your history in Christ where nobody but him did it. 
Those moments where he, you know that he specifically declared something to you and nothing is going to steal it this season. Hallelujah. It's going to be strong and be stronger and become a fountainhead of supernatural touch of God through your life. Let's go ahead and praise the Lord. There's things... There's things, and you cannot let the pressures of life come and take that away from you. You cannot let the adversary do it or just a dull memory take it away from you. You have to renew that very essence of that impartational moment. Am I making sense to anybody in here? Fostering intimacy with God has to do with what has he said to you? How important is it to you? What happened around that? Is there something precious there? Because the world wants to snatch it away. The devil wants to snatch it away. Don't be one of those people. Be strong in the things that the Lord has put in your life and determine you're walking this way. And there's something about the Lord saying, I'm just getting started now. This has been a foundation. You've been running with the foundation. It's nice when you get the roof on the house. When the walls go up, when everything happens, there's a whole new thing I have for you. These moments when you ponder them, they, they, the, the devil can't steal the glory that he's showing up in your life. Let's look at the next slide. These are the last two of these, uh, fostering intimacy with God. When you regularly review the works of God in your life, there's the beautiful thing about it is you're bolstered up to face the challenges that come along, right? You know who you are. You know, he's wanted, what he's done in you. Mary did that. Mary settled it. Now, she had a completely different experience than you and me. Look, I was doing one of those devotions. If you don't cast your anxieties down upon the Lord and learn how to, to manage your mind in the Spirit of God with the Word of God, another anxiety is coming right down the road. And they'll all line up. And pretty soon you're just going to be all just all in turmoil and, you know, just anything goes, I guess, whatever. I'm just going to go ahead and pleasure myself with the way I used to with whatever sins I can find. Or just spew out whatever hell puts on your mind at the time. No. And there are, there are moments when he calls you to a certain obedience in a certain area of your life. Is that right? And you fight over that, you figure that out, you go, oh my God, this is hard. Yeah, because you're so weak. Aren't we all? Come on, come on. I found out a while back that if the only way Jesus is going to live his life through me is I got to let him do all of it. I got to die. And then it's kind of like, wow, this is better. How many of you had wrestling moments with that? We go, I don't know. Ego, E-G-O, edging God out. That's got to go. <laughs> and uh, this other one here, fostering intimacy with God. This is very important because God, now this is, this is an incredible point of wisdom here. God has pre-designed that each stage in every season of your life uh, holds a God-given purpose for you to walk into. Even now, in this moment, there's something very specific that you can walk into and see the fruit of the Lord in it, in your life. And that's why it's so important to, to em, embrace the encounters, to walk with the intimacy. Is this resonating with anybody in here? Okay. 
there's distinct, let me tell you, let me, I got a text from Shelly. She's in there with Mike. Up and down, up and down. I couldn't go. I was feeling terrible. He reached out. Praise the Lord, Pastor Todd went. God touched, shifted the whole situation. It's like, yay. I feel like, you know, here comes Todd over the hill. When she's out, when, when, uh, when she's, uh, this is the beautiful thing. Shelly is in the hallway, and there's another lady standing outside the door of someone, and she said, and there's another need. There's another need. And here, in the midst of her need, she is sensitive to the Holy Spirit, expressing the heart of Jesus, and prays with this woman for that need. God touches that situation. She's, she's learned that there's a season, that in that season, there's a God-given purpose for you to walk into. Even when you're being beat all up, there is life in you to spill out to others. There's a, a, an effect of the Holy Spirit's grace and presence in your and my life. Um, let's go ahead and prepare the, hand the communion out. I have a, uh, but let's put the next slide up, as we, and then we'll get to the other one later. But this is this is amazing. This is totally amazing because we're talking about intimacy with God, and we're talking about remembering things, pondering and treasuring up things. That doing this in remembrance isn't this amazing? It just amazes me that you you see stuff when you're studying stuff. You know, you go, "Oh, look at over there." Jesus is saying, "When you come to me, I want you to acknowledge." my death I want you to remember what I went through for you I want you to have intimacy with God how many of you had moments of receiving communion and God did a miracle work right in the pew am I the only one have there been moments when the Lord has spoken to you I can just declare shackles have fallen off in this place. Invisible bondages have been broken. Just the sheer act of applying. Let's go ahead and receive the, the uh, bread first and all hold it for just a moment until we're all served. And so he says, I want you to remember. I want you to remember. Do this in remembrance. Let's put up the last slide. I don't know what I did with this. It says this. <laughs> there is spiritual power in remembering and applying the, blood, the body and blood of Christ to our lives. It displaces the negative impact of hurtful memories and replaces them with the victory of Christ's overcoming life within us. His overcoming life within us. And here we are, right on the stepping into a season that is supposed to be filled with beautiful celebration, hearts knitted together in families. And yet we come, some of us, with a sense of pure brokenness over everything I just said. 
And the beauty of Jesus is when it comes to how broken your life is, would you remember mine? Because mine will minister something. I'll come in and I look, you haven't, in your struggle with sin, you haven't resisted to the point of bloodshed. But Jesus resisted sinning and spilled blood out for you and I. And as we relish with our understanding that Jesus carried all the hurt that you've ever had upon himself, every sorrow and every grief, he carried it to the cross and died for you there. And somehow, by the partaking of this, he takes that pain and absorbs it, takes it out of you, takes it upon himself, and releases you from the weight of it. And lives you have the freedom that he came to give you. And we become free by partaking of the body of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I take authority over hassling thoughts and past, the annoyances of past wounds now in Jesus' name. I come against works of rejection, abuses, and woundings, spirits that bring pain and frustration be gone in the authority of Jesus now. Be gone. I take, I come against that. There will not be a season continuing with that anymore because we're standing here remembering the completed work of Jesus. Let's go ahead and praise him for a minute here. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Say, I receive, I receive it. I receive the anointing of Jesus' body, breaking every shackle and every harassing thought and every symptom of sadness, everything that would pull my attention away from honoring the Lord with everything in me this season. I stand before you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And as, we, as he was there with him, he said, this is a new covenant, a new covenant. This is not based on some animal it's got to be slain. I'm coming as the animal. I'm the lamb of God. I'm dying. I'm giving myself. I'm replacing anything of human effort. It's all grace now. And all of the things that you deserved, he says, you, you're not going to get what you deserve anymore. I took it upon myself. And all the suffering that, that your sinning brought upon you, I'm taking all that suffering away from you because I have come and died in your place. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's go ahead and partake. Thank you, Jesus. There's a verse in uh, Lamentations 3, it's 24 and 25. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord. This covenant is eternal. 
I want to camp right here because the, the blood, see, it speaks. It has a testimony and it talks. And here's, you know, uh, this is, you've heard me say this, but this is the beauty of the blood. The beauty of the blood is that it says it speaks a nobler word than the, the blood of Abel. Abel's blood was, you know, when he was killed by Cain, his blood went to the ground. And, it, and the Bible acknowledges that the blood speaks. And it probably was saying, I need some justice. But Jesus' blood came and spilt on the, on the ground and then went into heaven. And now it's no longer about justice. It's about mercy. So now you and I receive mercy. And we're to be carriers of the mercy we have received. So why don't you go ahead and cough out all the bitter critical bones that are stuck in your throat. And get rid of a judgmentalism and religious spiritism, whatever. And give your heart over to the mercy of God. Because you and I are undeserving of anything that he's ever done. And just, he picked you, not that you picked him, because he had to chase you down. And some of us, he had to hog tie us. So most of us didn't come willingly. He had to keep coming after us for a while. Because we didn't know who he was. We were blind to how good he was. And then we come and we look in his eyes and it's pure mercy. And we're as undeserving as anybody could ever imagine. Now hold up your glass and say, I'll drink to that. (laughs) I receive the mercy of God now. Blessed are the merciful for they have obtained mercy. So he says, I want to pour my mercy in you and pour it through you. Thank you, Jesus. Well, what kind of an interesting Christmas message, huh? Into me you see. Let's go ahead and stand uh, together for a moment. If anybody here has a further need of prayer, I I just want to invite you to come and do business with the Lord. Reach over and you don't have to take hands because it might be too germy, but go ahead and touch somebody somewhere. Let blessing come, I pray. Let sovereign supernatural blessing come we decree it we decree the power of forgiveness we decree the power of grace we decree the power of mercy attending our souls and our minds in the name of Jesus Christ We declare it is our heart's desire to not only be close to you, but to think the way you think, to be the way you are in this world. So we're like lights in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. And we praise you, Lord. There's no one like you. You're the one and only. You're the son of the living God. 
resurrected out of the dead and raised up the right hand of the Father. And uh, some of our loved ones are worshiping you right now. They're right there. They know you. They're in eternity with you, revealing all the beautiful things that you are. And we thank you for having pulled us out of the miry clay and said, I'm going to take you with me. And I pray that this word and Lord, every heart in here would have a, a new, deeper desire for intimacy with God. In the name of Jesus. Amen.